Good morning. Hey, y'all look good this morning. Y'all bright and shiny. <laughs> that must be the Holy Spirit. Everybody's shiny. <laughs> look out. <laughs> Just shiny like a mirror. <laughs> All right. Well, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Wow. Okay. Well, anybody have a birthday? They're celebrating. Bob. Brother Bob. Uh, who? Penny. All right. Bob and Penny. Okay. You're both 29, right? <laughs> All right. Let's sing happy birthday for them. Happy birthday. Day to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. Amen. Sorry about that. <laughs> Got ahead of you and then behind. All right, so how about anniversaries? Anybody celebrating anniversary from this past week? Oh. Seven years ago to this day is the day I was struck down. Oh, that's the day you, you lost use of your legs, huh? Yep. Eleven years ago today. Exact date. Wow. Probably the first time I met Mike. Uh-uh-uh. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, even though you, you've had those problems, you still do more than a lot of us do who don't have anything wrong with us. <laughs> okay, any, any other uh, anniversaries? You want to mention yours? Um, this past Monday, uh, was, it's been five years since I first uh, stepped foot in this church. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, he's going to share more about that later. All right. Uh, by way of announcements, it says that the Lexington Historical Society meets in the Fellowship Hall on the fourth Monday of each month at 6 p.m. Uh, February 27th. The February 27th meeting will feature Phil Bundy. Bundy? Uh, with tales about Morgan Foods. Uh, I wonder if he's going to get into Morgan's Raiders, too. <laughs> okay, and of course, Wayne wants to know, why didn't anyone want to fight Goliath? It sounded like a giant ordeal. <laughs> All right, well, uh, any other announcements anybody has that we need to know about? Okay then, I guess it's time for our opening hymn. <clears throat> we have come into his house, and uh, that is uh, number 36 in the hymn. If anybody wants to use your hymn to follow along, it should be on the screen. Brother Bob. Should have it memorized by now. Good morning. 
Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. That's right. Let's turn to number 36, and uh, we'll open with, We have come into his house, gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord, with hearts pleading, pleading for your presence, pleading for your love, your mercy, and your grace to fall upon this place, to come, Lord, truly. We have come into this house to worship you. It's your house. And so we want you to be here with us, Lord. We invite you. We ask you, please come and visit our hearts. Lord, we magnify your name because you are so wonderful, so beautiful, so magnificent. Lord, there is nothing or no one like you. And so we bow before you. We humble ourselves. You are God, and beside you there is no other. Lord, come minister to us. Help us to be more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You may be seated. Let's turn to uh, number 40. This is my father's world. <clears throat> this is...
Number 247 is our communion hymn this morning. The Old Rugged Cross.
John Klimek has our uh, meditation this morning. start with the meditation first. <laughs> Today I want to speak to you of and from a powerful and sometimes painful space. Today I'd like to veer away from the popular t topic of beginnings and give some long overdue attention to the middle. With the exception of the Tootsie Pop, Oreo, and the cinnamon roll, there are very few middles that are considered the best part of anything. I wonder how many of you would join me in confessing that you still find yourself in the middle of something. Yes, the toasts have been made and the overambitious resolutions penned, but if we're honest, the issues we're battling last year and maybe even in years prior still remain. Wouldn't it be nice if a new calendar year really was a clean slate? If the situations and struggles last year were magically swept away with the confetti when the ball dropped. Now here we are. You are still battling illness. You are still in the depths of grief and loss. Or you still can't forgive yourself for that thing from your past. Well, today I would like to offer hope for those of us who are living in the middle. And while we may be unable to physically alter our position, I urge you to join me in seeing the middle differently. In granting the middle the prominence it deserves, for it was our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who hung on the cross in the middle of two thieves. Amen. Praise God for my sake and yours. He did not deny or forsake the pain and ultimately the promise of the middle. Amen. In our lives, the middle is undeniably the messiest and most painful part. From the middle, we must wrestle with our humanity and faith. But from my experience, the middle is where God does his greater work, his greatest work. The middle is where God molds our hearts. The middle is where God works his miracles. While most of us would prefer to skip the messy middles of our lives, the middle is indeed essential. Thank God for his son and our savior who did not forsake the power or the pain of the middle dying an agonizing death on the cross between two thieves. Thank God and rejoice. He didn't stay there and neither will we. Thank God that no matter what our middle may be, we as God's children know how this story ends. Thank God that at the foot of the cross we stand as my, <clears throat> as my father would say, smack dab in the middle of the greatest display of his abundant, gracious, and infinite love for us. And, and thank God that he is the same in the middle as he was in the beginning, and he will be in the end. Amen. <clears throat> now let's pray. Show us, O oh God, the brightness of your spirit as we gather about the table of Christ. Show us, O oh God, the radiance of your grace and the breaking of this bread. Show us, O oh God, the brilliance of your presence in the pouring of this cup. Reveal to us the depth of your love. Reveal to us the ever-flowing streams of your forgiveness. Reveal to us the wideness of your mercy. As we come to this table of grace, forgiveness, and mercy, may we catch a glimpse of your glory, your mystery, and your peace. In Jesus' name we pray.
John will be back a little later, but right now we want to take a moment just to meditate, and uh, that was a very good presentation, John. Thank you very much, and uh, whatever we find ourselves in the middle of, let's take a moment and turn it over to the Lord who can and will get us through it. In the upper room, Jesus was with his disciples as they were taking the time of the Passover meal. And towards the end, he changed things a little bit. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he passed it around and said, this is my body. Take eat, all of you. Afterwards, likewise, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood, my blood of the new covenant. As oft as you do this, Do it in remembrance of me. Drink it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God. You want to lead us in our praise hymn? Let's turn to number 264, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. What can what?
here. Are you ready to share? No? All right, John's going to share a little testimony with us. Because I'm going all the way back to the beginning. So you get the whole story, background and everything. I know I've shared it kind of short, shortened, real shortened version with some already, but um, this is the whole story. So my parents were from a small town in, um, in Pennsylvania. And uh, they came out to visit with his my dad's aunt and uh, he ended up getting a job in Michigan uh, with Pontiac Motors, and uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, was raised in a uh, Catholic home. We went to a Catholic grade school, uh, all the sacraments. I was an altar boy. Um, went to Catholic high school, and uh, then uh, as I got older out of high school and everything, started skipping church and then just stopped going altogether. Because uh, some things I didn't quite agree with what was going on in the church. And, and uh, so that was where that's at. And, uh, but then back uh, when I was eight years old, my best friend, uh, his parents had a messy divorce, I guess, and he moved in with his uncle, and that's how I met him. His uncle lived down the street from me, and uh, we became best friends, and he uh, went off to college where he met his wife, and uh, they went on a mission trip, and they ended up meeting someone from Scottsburg, so uh, he ended up, they ended up uh, in Scottsburg, and uh, Then uh, nine years ago, uh, he started bugging one of his nurses that uh, she really needed to meet me. And uh, he bugged her so much that she finally said, okay, just to get him to shut up. <laughs> and uh, after that, uh, I don't so it all started with the first message I got from her was, how was your uh, Thanksgiving meal with the Crosdales? So some of you might be familiar with uh, John Crosdale, the doctor at uh, Scottsburg. So um, we went on a family vacation. In fact, it was for my mom and dad's 50th anniversary. And my dad said that he uh, brought up whether we were going to get married or not. We are both like, no. So we've been through that, you know. Actually, we didn't explain it. <laughs> we just kind of told him no. And he just, but, uh, so, um, I had been looking for a place uh, for a home up in Michigan. I was trying to find some place that would be uh, good for both of us. And, uh, it just wasn't happening. And uh, finally I decided that, you know, it, it'd be a lot easier for me to move down here. And because um, my best friend's down here now, and it just, I like the area. And 
So uh, after I decided to move down here, I asked Sheila, I said, you know, I knew that her, uh, one of the other nurses there, her dad owned a, a super ATV. And I, so she asked her, and I said, well, find out if they have an engineering department. And uh, she said, yeah, uh, my husband's the manager. So I got, the, got in touch with him, and he said, well, we're not really looking for anybody right now. You know, we'll keep you in mind. Well, it was like two or three weeks later, he calls me and says, when can you start? <laughs> so uh, that's what got me down here. And then uh, five years ago Monday, I was here for a funeral luncheon for a really good friend and uh, later came my father-in-law, which he missed out on at our marriage. Um, I don't know if uh, we got here early or if uh, lunch doesn't, wasn't ready yet, and uh, that really doesn't matter because I know it was God's plan for us to sit down where we did and uh, Brother Mitch came in and talked to us for a while and I know Sheila and Mitch talked for a while about the church and she had gone here you know as a child and I, I really felt God's presence and uh, I'm not sure if Mitch invited us to church I'm sure he probably did but it just it didn't stick but it was God's plan because a year and a half later he told me that it's it's time you need to come back and uh, so I was, I was out in the garage and messing around and I came in the house and I asked Sheila I says you know how do you feel about going to church she says you know she said, it's been on my mind, too. And uh, so that's when we started coming, coming here. It was three and a half years ago. And uh, we, were, we sat in front of Jim and Mary and every week after service, Jim would tap on my shoulder, hey, when are you going to join the six-man quartet? Nah, that's not for me. Went on probably a month and a half. Just kept tapping, tapping. Finally, I said, okay. And then, uh, then I was asked to become a deacon. And uh, got out in the parking lot, and Sheila, or I told Sheila, I says, you know, I'm not sure about this. I said, I don't know really what's involved in nothing, and I don't know if I really want to do that. And, uh, there, there's a spot on 356 because God's talked to me there a couple of times and he told me, he says, he said, it's not about what you want, it's about what I want. Amen. And then uh, when I was up, asked to sing, I was like, oh, there's no way. I said, I, I can't do that. 
and uh, my whole family, my parents, uh, brothers, sisters, everybody, they still can't believe that I get up here and sing, and I really can't too. It's, it, it's definitely God working. And uh, like he did uh, on the day that I uh, sang Chainbreaker, I forgot the words midway through. And uh, I, felt, I felt bad. And then after the service, someone came up to me and they just said, thank you. Says, I really need to hear that today. So... God's been working, Amen. and uh, just praise God. Amen. All right, thanks for sharing, John. I appreciate that. Testimonies are always good. They encourage us. All right, well, I guess we're ready to... Uh, Get on with the scripture here and get into the message this morning. And uh, we are continuing on in the book of Mark, and the title is Who is the Greatest? And this is uh, Mark 9 33 through 37. Uh, scripture says, They came to Capernaum when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. All right. So, you know, we, we've had several things has already happened. Uh, Jesus had healed the demon-possessed boy that was having seizures. And uh, then he, uh, as they're walking after that, he tells his disciples, he predicts the, for the second time, he gives the prophecy or the prediction uh, that he will be uh, uh, put to death and on the third day, rise again. And so, you know, right after he tells them this, then we find this. That after he had told them that, you know, he was going to die and on the third day be resurrected. Uh, then as they're walking and heading to Capernaum, then he notices they're arguing amongst themselves along the way. And of course, Jesus already knew what they were arguing about. But one of the ways that you bring things to people's attention is ask them a question. And that's what he did. What were you arguing about on the way? And they had been arguing about who was the greatest. Now, you know, you think about this. If, if this actually is the order that these events took place, which we really don't know if it is or not, but if it is, and I believe it very well could be, then 
Here your master, your teacher, who you look up to, who you want to emulate, you're his disciple, tells you he's going to, he's going to be killed. And the very next thought you have is, well, when he's gone, which one of us is going to take his place? <laughs> I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. <laughs> uh, you know, you think about that, that's kind of a, uh, ludicrous in a way, but yet, isn't that the way the flesh is? We often, if we're not careful, even when we're reading and studying the scripture, if we're not really in the spirit, if we're not really focusing on, we'll miss so much. Sometimes we miss the main point. And Jesus here, he then corrects their way of thinking. He just gently, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't accuse them of being heartless. <laughs> and he just tells them. He sits down and he called, uh, you know, called them together. And he says this, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. You know, you think about that. We all know people in this life who are so gentle, who are so generous, and everybody knows them. Everybody knows them. You know, Joe McKay is one of those people. He's a pastor, uh, and, and he's been in the ministry for, I don't know, 50 years, 60 years, a long time. But he was so kind and so giving of his time of himself. He told me a couple of times that he felt like he didn't give enough to his own family because he was so busy with others. But I have found there's very few people in all of Indiana who don't know who Joe McKay is. They've heard of him or they've met him in one way or another. Why? Because he has been a servant. He has been a servant. Jesus himself. Think about what all Jesus gave up just to become a human. Just to become one of us. He gave up all of his glory in heaven to become one of us. And then when he became one of us, he, he didn't become a king. He didn't become a ruler. He was born one of the lowest of all, born in a stable. Wow. And then even when he began to become a, uh, a rabbi, he wasn't recognized by those rabbis of the day. He didn't study under their tutelage. He already was knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than they were because he was God in the flesh. But they didn't want to recognize him. They wanted to argue with him. They wanted to cut him down. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to remove him. But some saw in him more than others, and they became followers of him. In fact, they felt that it was a great honor. You know, these very same disciples, they gave up their lives 
no matter what they were doing, whether they were fishermen or tax collectors or whatever they were, they gave it up. They just walked off and left it behind and followed Jesus. They gave up all to gain more than they could ever get from this earthly life and the earthly living. And so here they are following him to learn more, to get more. And then they have this moment where he tells them, well, soon I'll be put to death. But on the third day, (laughs) I'll resurrect. And then they begin to argue who's going to be greatest, who's going to take his place. But he tells them, no, 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 it's not like that. It's not a position that you earn by being something great. It's something you earn by being the most humble, by being the most generous, by being the most giving, by being the most loving. This is how you become a leader. This is how you become greater in God's eyes, not in the world's eyes. In the world's eyes, you're becoming a fool. But let me ask you, on that last day, is the world going to judge you or Jesus? Mm. So which is more important? We must learn to be more like Jesus. And the only way to do that is to get into his word enough to where the word gets into us. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's good to get into the word, but it's more important that the word gets in you. That's when we began to change. That's when we began to become more like Jesus. We spend time alone with him in prayer and we spend time in the word studying and, 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 and finding the questions that will help guide us and then seek out the answers. Most usually we can find it in the word, but sometimes we may have to ask someone and they still may not give us exactly the right answer or exactly the put in the perspective in the way that we need it, but it will help guide us. Jesus uses all things to guide us. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truths. But you can't be guided into something if you're not looking for it in the first place. We must be busy about our Father's work. He even then illustrated his point. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Now, you think about this. He, he, he calls the child over. They're all sitting at the table. He has the child stand there. And I don't know. I just imagine this moment of silence where everybody's just looking at the child like, okay, now what? Jesus, give him a moment to think like that. And then... After everybody's attention has been got, then he does this. Then he, taking, he took the child up in his arms and he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, a better way of saying that, Uh, I think in the original language would be, not only are you accepting me, but also the Father who sent me. But it begins by loving one another. It starts with loving a little child, even paying attention to a child, taking time 
for a child. Not that's not necessarily your own child. But just taking a moment to show love and guiding them towards Jesus. That's the main thing. Any love that we express to anyone should be done in the name of Jesus and in his honor because we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives here on earth. And if we don't do a good job of representing him to the ones around us, they will never come to know about him or what they think about him will not be very good. If we're constantly angry and bickering and fighting amongst ourselves, how many people do you think is going to want to come to your church? Well, what do you all do at your church? Well, we fight a lot. (laughs) Ah, when can I come? (laughs) I, I mean, come on, you know, let's be real about this. Love, love, God is love. Love is the key. Love is the key. In, in, the, in, in the Gospels where Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love. <laughs> Love. God, with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's some people who love their neighbors but don't love God. There's other people who love God but still don't want to love their neighbors. Come on, let's get it together. <laughs> let's do it all. Let's go all the way. Let's love everybody. You know, if you're not going to be kind to people, I mean, can you imagine walking up to somebody and saying, hey, I know you're going to hell, but you need to get right with God, so come to our church, okay? Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, And yet, that happens all the time. I actually ran into a guy at Walmart one time who said something very similar to that to me. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, well, I said, I appreciate your concern, but you're wrong. No, I'm not. (laughs) I said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. I said, okay, so you know me better than I know me. No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, you did. He said, well, why do you say I'm wrong? I said, because I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Oh. (laughs) I said, you might want to rethink the way you approach people. I said, that was rather offensive. (laughs) Jesus just flat out told them the truth. He sat down with them. He gave them a moment to think about it. And then he told them the truth. If you want to be great, you have to be the least. That is backwards thinking of the flesh, folks. The flesh says, oh, I've got to accomplish this. I've got to do that. I've got to have a monument put up someplace so that later on some woke person can knock it down. But now I need to build one. I need all this. I need all this attention. I need my name and the marquee lights. I need to be in the newspapers and in the magazines. I've got to be noted as the greatest of the greatest of the greatest. You know who does that more than anybody else, folks? Atheist. Every atheist I've ever met, they had the goal 
of leaving a legacy behind because they said there's nothing else. After that, there's nothing. So I have to do something great in my lifetime or I will have not counted for anything. That's sad. That's sad. Because you see, it doesn't matter what great thing you do, no matter how great it is, if you don't do it for Jesus and in the name of Jesus, it means almost nothing. Because whatever we do, there's another scripture that says, even if we give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, we will receive a reward for that. The point is, is that we don't have to do great things because any little thing you do in the name of Jesus is great. Anything you do in the name of Jesus is great. It doesn't matter. You can clean the toilet and the bathroom in the name of Jesus, and it's a mighty act for God. And I guarantee you somebody will appreciate it. I know God will. It doesn't matter what we do as much as why we do it and whose name we do it in. Am I doing it to gain a position for myself like these guys are talking about? Oh, I'm going to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be. No, I'm going to be. No. I'm going to serve Jesus. And I don't care if I get recognized for it or not. That's not the point. We should not do our service to the Lord to be recognized. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. You know, don't worry about being recognized. Just worry about satisfying Jesus, putting a smile on his face, serving him wholeheartedly. You know, uh, John was sharing about how uh, he felt those God moments and, and the direction from God that led him here. Praise God he listened and obeyed. We're grateful to have you here. Both of you, we, we're grateful. And, you know, every single one of you here, we're grateful to have you. God is so happy when we obey him. We come here not to hear a message from Brother Mitch. We come here to hear a message from God. I'm not speaking about my life. I'm speaking about the life and times of Jesus and those in the Bible. Because that's all that matters. You know, I, I, I've had discussions with people before talking about helping prepare for their death and, and, and what they want in memorial <laughs> of themselves. Uh, I've had people talking about they want great big tombstones and want this scene on it and that scene and this, this words and those words. And folks... When I die, forget me and love Jesus. That's all that matters. You'll see me again. You don't need to keep thinking about Brother Mitch. Brother Mitch will be gone and then rejoiced in, in, the, in, in, in the heaven with the Lord. You don't need to be thinking about Brother Mitch. You need to move on. <laughs> you need to be thinking about your life with Jesus so that you also, you know, if they buried me in an unmarked grave, it wouldn't matter because Jesus knows me. That's all that matters. And he will know where I'm at when it comes time to call my body back up and rematerialize it and make it new. 
We don't have to do great things to be considered great. It all depends on whose measurement you're using. If you want to be great in the eyes of the world, the Bible says the world is the enemy of God. Think about that. But if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, serve. Love and serve. Love and serve and give. So, with that thought in mind, how are we doing? How are we doing? And, you know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If, if we were to get a report card from heaven based on what we just talked about, what grade would we get? An A? A plus? A minus? F minus? <laughs> uh, you know, I have days where I wonder if, if you know, it would be a G or an H. <laughs> but there are days when I'm able to touch heaven and heaven touches me. And that's an A plus, 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 plus. So if you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing this uh, next hymn. If you, if you can pray where you are, or you can come forward, whatever your need is. Brother Bob. Number 255, Jesus paid it all. Let's stand. I
Amen. You have the uh, oh. prayer list. All right. Oh, okay. This was from last week. Uh, the Ethan Mowry, uh, age nine, parents are Ashley and Connor Mowry. Uh, he's uh, Connor is there is Roxy's and Jim's nephew. He passed away. Brother Wayne picked out the songs this morning, and uh, this one he picked up particularly to go home on. Amen. Sing the first verse only. God be with you till we meet again. Amen. Good song. God be with you. Have a great day, remember?